HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic, the marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat. So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not, because it's literally just the flesh and the fins. Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies, but it endangers our environment as well. The emissions of JBS, combined with the other top five meat companies, exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more, tune into this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Lisa Held coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And you're listening to The Farm Report, a Heritage Radio Network show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to share a quick update on the Farm Bill. This is the most important piece of federal legislation that affects farmers and the overall food system. And after months of delays, uh, legislators finally released a final version of the Farm Bill this week. It's already been passed by the Senate, and the House is expected to vote on it today. um, And everyone expects that it will pass there and be quickly delivered to the president to sign. So... The interesting thing that happened is that in terms of the biggest pieces of the bill, like commodity subsidies and crop insurance, there aren't real major changes. It basically preserves the status quo. And I'm not going to get into SNAP benefits, which um, was one of the biggest arguments holding it up, um, because this is a show about farming. (laughs) Um, But there are a few really interesting things that did make it into the final bill that I think are worth mentioning. So I'm just going to throw a few out before we get into um, the larger conversation on today's show. So first of all, um, the Farm Bill legalizes industrial hemp, which is huge. And I definitely want to do an episode on hemp farming next season, so stay tuned for that. Um, It also makes a major investment in getting high-speed broadband to rural communities where access is a major challenge for farmers. Um, The bill also supports organic farming in a bigger way than ever before by increasing funding for an organic research program from $20 million per year to $50 million per year by 2023, and providing mandatory funding for a cost share program that encourages farmers 
to pursue organic certification by reimbursing them for some of the annual fees. Um, that's a really big deal because I think a lot of farmers that are growing organic um, are often not pursuing certification because of the cost. And then finally, um, earlier in the season, we had Representative Shelley Pingree on the show, and she talked a lot about these tiny programs that primarily benefit small farms and regional food systems, like the value-added producer grants and the farmer's market and local food promotion program. And Represent Representative Pingree was involved in an effort to combine those two into one program called the Local Agriculture Market Program, which would make them eligible for permanent baseline funding, which is just farm bill jargon, but um, it basically means they won't be shut down during future farm bill negotiation periods. So that program did make it into the final bill. So advocates for uh, supporting local food systems are very happy about that. All right, so enough of my voice. Let's get to the conversation. Today, I'm talking to Samantha Levy, the New York Policy Manager for the American Farmland Trust. And we're going to be discussing a new initiative called Farmland for a New Generation. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. And thank to be here. Yeah, and thanks for I your patience. I wish that I were there with you at Roberta. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, where are you calling in from? Where's the um, AFT office? So our New York office is located in Saratoga Springs um, for easy access to Albany and all those state leaders ah, there. <laughs> interesting. I thought you were going to say for easy access to farms, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, I am the policy manager, so that would be my perspective. But yes, also definitely easy access to farms. <laughs> I guess you have both, so it's a, it's a good spot. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so I think that the best place to start is um, for people who don't know about American Farmland Trust. Can you give us a little background on the organization and the work that you do? Sure. Um, thank you for that question. So um, American Farmland Trust is an organization that's been working nationally since 1980. Um, we're a nonprofit with a mission to save the land that sustains us, save mm -hmm. the land that grows our food um, across the United States. And uh, we also have field offices throughout the United States, including New York, all to holistically advance our mission. And we really take a very holistic um, approach to this by protecting farmland, promoting sound farming practices on farms, and also by keeping farmers on the land. So those are the three main areas that we work. And we often say that we work from kitchen table to Congress. So we mm. sit with farmers at their kitchen tables and help them protect their land or um, go through and adopt uh, management practices that will better their soil. Um, and we also work at the State House in Albany uh, with local governments and then at the federal level on the Farm Bill <laughs> mm. um, to advance policies that will help save the land that sustains us. And we've got mission areas that are very diverse to support that mission, including farmland protection and conservation, but also farm to institution and climate change, um, one of the main issues that our farmers are going to be facing over the next few decades. Mm. And so the, you said the mission is to save the land that sustains us, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, what, it, what are you saving it from? What are the biggest threats to um, American farmland? Hmm. Well, the threats are many. Um, I can speak from the New York perspective, but mm -hmm. a lot of the things that are happening in New York are happening across the country. 
Um, so one of the main um, uh, ways that we lose farmland is to development. Right. Um, you know, farmers sell their land to a developer and it gets turned into housing or a strip mall, and we lose that character and that heritage and, and all that food <laughs> that right. they used to grow. Um, so that's one of the main threats that we've been working since 1980 to stem. Um, but then also the aging of our farmers is another threat to keeping land and farming. Mm. Farmers are getting older. It's, you know, this is what we'll talk about today, but it's really difficult to get into farming and particularly to find land and be able to afford land to farm. So, um, Definitely the aging of our farm, our farmers is another huge um, issue that AFT is facing and working on. Um, of course, for many farmers, including dairy farmers, uh, a lack of access to really good, strong markets that will keep them um, producing and, uh, and viable as right. businesses. So, um, you know, we work on all of those issue areas in different ways, um, in different regions, and then, of course, nationally. Um, but then, you know, climate change is, of course, another area that we're focusing on. Right. So, and, you know, you brought up a few times this idea that farmers are aging out of the profession. Um, and, and and also you brought up development. And so, you know, a lot of farmers that are aging out are um understandably selling their land to developers because their farmland is their biggest asset. And, Absolutely. Right? Um, yep. <laughs> so it's, you know, you want to get the best price for your land. It's like sure. you can all understand that. Um, and be able to retire. And, right. You know, they, yeah. they have, farmers have families, and sometimes their families don't want to stay in farming. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a problem that we're trying to work on to really make sure that farmers have other choices, mm. you know, uh, that, that work for them, you know. We don't want them to just just have a developer who's bidding high for their land. We want them to have other options. Right. Like perhaps they can protect their farmland and then sell their farm to a, a young farmer or a new farmer or an existing farmer at a price that that farmer can afford, but they've protected their land and, um, and therefore they've been able to really bridge that price gap between kind of what a developer would pay and then what a farmer might be able to pay them for that land. So that's farmland protection is one key way. Um, and then there are other there are other opportunities. Um, solar development is one that we mm. see in New York State and in other uh, states across the country, um, where farmers are being approached by solar or wind companies to lease a portion of their land, and if it's done well and they're able to continue to farm on their most productive land, that's a really great outcome, that those leases can support their income or, you know, really help them get some, gain some of the equity out of their land. But ultimately, it's really just about having strong markets for farmers to sell into um, so that they can maintain their, um, their solvency. And, and so that young farmers and the next generation really sees this as a viable business option or viable career. Right. And that's sort of the, the core of what we're, we're here to talk about, right? That um, the link between the two, right? The aging farmers and the young farmers who want to get into it and how to connect them and get the land sort of like facilitate a transfer of land from one to the other in a way that is that works for both, Right. Absolutely. Well um, said. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so um, why don't you um, tell 
us a little bit about the new program that is launching in New York, um, and then we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty of, of this transition issue from there. Um, so that's called Farmland for a New Generation. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. Farmland for a New Generation New York um, is what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so let me back up just a minute and sure. um, lay the groundwork a little bit. So in New York State nationally as well, we, we are seeing our farmers, um, our farm population aging in general. Right. Um, in fact, since AFT started in 1980, the average national age of farmers has gone from 50 to 58. Right. Is that, is, do we have stats for New York alone? Or? Yes. Mm. Yes, we do. So in New York, about 30% of our farmers are over the age of 65. Wow, and fifty-five percent are over forty-five. But um, this means, and, and actually, our research at AFT shows that of those thirty percent that are over sixty-five, ninety-two percent of those senior farmers do not have a young person working alongside them, poised to take over their farm. Hmm. So that's something that we look at and we say, "Wow, we really need to do some work." to connect young farmers and the farmers who are, you know, maybe thinking about retirement or transition um, because they are owning or operating 1.7 million acres of land across New York State. That's a quarter of our state's farmland. Wow. Yeah, and something that we often say at AFT is that as land transitions from one generation to the next, that is the moment. That's the point where it is most vulnerable being lost out of farming forever. And arable land is a finite, irreplaceable resource in the the United States. We have a globally significant amount of arable, productive farmland. And I'm sure that you've been seeing the reports recently uh, about how much more food we're going to need to produce by uh, 2050 to feed a growing population. So it really is, AFT sees this as a really important imperative to um, make sure that our land stays in farming mm. wherever and whenever it can. Um, and and so then, in order to, to facilitate that, um, you're launching this program, the yes. Farmland for New Generation New York. Um, yes. So um, what's the, the model there? Like, what will this program do? So uh, this program is based off of um, a program that AFT and our partners have been coordinating in the Hudson Valley for the last four years called the Hudson Valley FarmLink Network. Um, and this, so this statewide Farmland for a New Generation New York program really takes the, the very same model that we saw be so successful in the Hudson Valley, linking farmers with landowners who are willing to make their land available for agriculture or to, the, to um, senior farmers who are ready to retire um, so we have been running that program for the past four years, like I said, along with our partners. And um, there are two main components to that program um, mm. that we see at AFT. One is uh, a website, HudsonValleyFarmlandFinder.org, where farmers and landowners or farmers who are ready to retire can list their um, themselves or their property, and they can look through and potentially find one another that way. And along with that, at at the AFT offices, we have um, a first point of contact here 
who um, does intake, basically, for every profile that goes up onto the site to make sure that folks are ready to list. They're putting the, the most important information up and that we're also able to answer any questions and guide them to next steps and resources. Um, so what I'm starting to get out there is that human element, right. um, the, you know, not just the match.com, but the Yentl yeah. <laughs> matchmaker. That's something that somebody said, and I loved it so much. I think that it describes it so well. Um, and, and a really important component of that human element, that matchmaker piece, is our partner organizations. Mm. Um, and in the Hudson Valley FarmLink Network, we have 16 partner organizations, including Grow NYC down there in the city that mm-hmm. runs the green markets and a, a number of other amazing programs, um, and land trusts, Cornell Cooperative Extension offices, and other agricultural organizations in the Hudson Valley. Right who um, are all dedicated to helping with this land access and transition work in the Hudson Valley. So um, AFT, we, you know, our partners do incredible work already, and AFT has been able to re-grant some funds to these organizations to just help expand and deepen their ability to do this land access and transition work in the Hudson Valley. Mm. Um, And altogether, in the past four years, all of our organizations together have been able to make over 150 successful matches. Yeah, Which, and that's a that's a huge number. You know, yeah. I've as you know, I've been reporting on um, <laughs> land linking for the past month, and um, yep. that is it's it's an unheard of um, number in this realm of people doing this work. Um, so I just want to yeah. point that out. Yeah, thank you. And um, you know, we really do attribute that to the human element that mm-hmm. sitting at the kitchen table, helping farmers and landowners um, understand one another's expectations and make sure that these are really good deals that are happening. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'll, I, sorry to interrupt you, no, but, no. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> but I think that, that human aspect. So in, in the reporting that I was doing, um, on, on this issue, um, all the farmers that I spoke to, I mean, that was the biggest thing that, that everybody mm-hmm. talked about was this human yeah. element, having a person to actually help you list or guide you um, through the process or connect you with another resource that you need. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I just, I think that's that's sort of the the missing link in, for a lot of other ones, maybe, mm-hmm. a, a lot of other programs. Um, but it's also the probably the most expensive, right? Um, oh, yeah. Element, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, uh, not only being able to pay for staff time, but also in cultivating that expertise. Um, and through this network approach, you know, we're able to offer networking phone calls to share best practices and stories um, trainings and events and, of course, the funding to other organizations mm. to help build their ability to do this work. So um, we were, we've been working in the Hudson Valley, and uh, this past year, um, Governor Cuomo and leaders in the state legislature um, in the Senate, Senator Pamela Helming and Senator Patty Ritchie, and in the Assembly, Assembly, um, Assembly Member Bill McGee, and Assemblywoman Carrie Warner, all really were um, our leaders in advocating for this funding. 
and uh, alongside us and our partners, and we were able to get funding to take this Hudson Valley model statewide. And that's the Farmland for New Generation New York program. Um, how difficult was that process? Like, how hard was it to convince um, <laughs> state lawmakers that this was a worthwhile program, that it was, you know, a state issue that needs attention? Um, I would love to hear about that process. <laughs> well, you know, um, it is a process that takes time, that is for sure. Um, a lot of education, you know, people who work uh, on staff and who are, who are members of the legislature and the governor's staff and the governor, they hear from people every day, multiple times a day about right. all of the myriad issues facing New Yorkers, and they have to make some tough choices, prioritizing you know, what's most important to put the state's energy and taxpayer dollars towards. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it was just a matter of going in and um, educating, you know, letting people know this is, an, this is a trend that we're seeing, this is an issue that we're seeing that is a real threat to the future of agriculture in New York State. You know, in total, some total $39 billion industry that supports 160,000 jobs. And, um, you know, so it was really just sitting down with people, talking to them about it. And, you know, once they heard about it, I think that people understood that this is a really important problem that requires a really broad solution. Um, So, uh, you know, it's building that support. Our champions were wonderful. They really believe in this program. Um, so we we got money to support uh, a statewide website, which is nyfarmlandfinder.org, launched October 22nd this year. So that is up for mm. anybody who is who has a farm dream in their heart. They can go on there and <laughs> or um, a, a farm to to list, or, right? Yeah, a farm, absolutely, farm or, or a dream to have a farmer on their land, or a dream to pass their farm on to a new generation. But this is also a a, a resource for existing farmers as well. You know, young, beginning, new farmers, but existing farmers as well to find land mm. anywhere in New York. So um, so we got funding for that resource center, but then also, very importantly, as you mentioned, funding for what we're calling regional navigators. Mm. So those are going to be the members of this new statewide network of um, support organizations to really help connect farmers and landowners and make those deals. They're going to sort of be the boots on the ground in each like different exactly. region, um, and you're going to actually be giving them funding to do to do that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. There were there were funds included in the state budget to be regranted to organizations, and actually, since we last spoke, um, our our application process is now closed. It closed on November 30th. Mm. And we got uh, 21 applications from organizations across New York State. There's really great regional diversity. Mm. And the requests for funds was double oh what uh, the state had given us to regrant to organizations. So uh, over the next year, you know, we're, we're really excited to work again with Governor Cuomo, with Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty. Um, with uh, and with our champions in the assembly, but then also with the new Senate leadership, um, you know, Democratic leader uh, Andrea Stewart Cousins now, and um, others in the that are uh, in the Democratic uh, caucus in the Senate to um, 
sustain this program, but then also maybe even potentially expand funding to regrant to those organizations to meet that um, demand. Right, because you're, you're seeing the demand. It, and 21 organizations applied. And how? remind me how many are, are actually going, going to be involved. So uh, we are in the process of making those decisions. Um, I think that we... I, I don't want to say too much, um, okay. but originally we were we were offering grants of up to twenty five thousand dollars, and if we were to fund, um, you know, that full grant amount across New York State, then we would have been able to fund twelve mm. regional navigators. Okay, perfect. But we'll be making those announcements early next year. Okay, great. Um, I think on that note, um, we just need to take a quick break um, for a word from a sponsor, um, and then we'll come back and we'll dive back into talking about farmland for a new generation. Great. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. All right, we're back. This is Lisa Held. You're listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. I'm here with Samantha Levy from American Farmland Trust, um, and we've been talking about farmland preservation and farmland access um, and the kind of bridge between the two. Um, so I want to go back to this idea that that the new program that you're launching, Farmland for a New Generation New York, is sort of modeled after the Hudson Valley FarmLink Network. Um, and... I think, you know, it, you mentioned earlier the incredible success of that, that network. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about, dig into why it's been so successful. Um, and one question that comes to mind for me is um, the Hudson Valley is a really unique region, right? <laughs> um, so, I mean, in terms of like incredibly fertile farmland, in, in terms of um, access to markets, it's, you know, oh, yeah. very close to New York City. Um mm-hmm and um, other um, markets and um, also not only markets, but close to um, the city in terms of like people who work off farm jobs um, Mm -hmm. are able to keep their jobs. So um, I'm curious, like as you expand this, do you have to think about um, how, how farmland this linking process is going to be different in other regions and um if that's a, a concern that like, you know, it, it won't work the same in other places. Yeah, I think that's a really astute observation. Um, the, you know, regionally agriculture in New York state is so diverse and the Hudson Valley is one particular example. Um, but then we also have the Finger Lakes region in central New York. Mm-hmm. We've got the larger operations in Western New York You've got the big dairy operations in the North Country. You've got 
you know, even um, the farming operations on the east end of Long Island. Um, and certainly each area has its own particular needs. And that's why we think this regional navigator approach is so important. It's those organizations that know that region, they understand their particular challenges that, you know, farmers face in accessing land. Um, they, they understand the landscape and they know the people. So right. we, we want to make sure that farmers there have somebody that they know to turn to, um, somebody that they trust. And um, so that's really why we see this as such a valuable model to take statewide. Yeah, like they're already there in that um, in that place. They know the place. They know the people. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's sort of like a, an, almost like a grassroots um, approach. Um, and it, can you like give a little bit of a, a picture of what those regional navigators um, actually do? Like how, um, is, if I'm a farmer and I, like, you know, go to the website right now and I list my farm. Um, when does that, the regional navigator come in and like, how do they help me? Like, what do they, you know, what does it look like? <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of these details are going to be um, ironed out as the program rolls out. Uh, I think that the regional navigators are really there. Um, some will hold events. You know, in the past, we've been able to regrant funds to organizations in the Hudson Valley that have held events. For instance, um, the Agricultural Stewardship Association in Washington County, um, they, we were able to give them a grant to have a bus tour. Mm. And they had a, you know, a, a number, I think it was like 20 or, or 30 farmers who were looking for land, and they brought them on a bus to properties around in Washington County. Um, to show them sort of what was available. And I'll, I'll uh, share a specific story. Leah Hennessy, who um, now owns and operates um, a, a goat operation, mm. she, and actually she sells at Union Square Green Market on Fridays. Um, I, I'm going to actually... I, I'm looking up her farm name. Because uh, I think it's it's Moxie Ridge. Right I actually <laughs> I actually Thank talked you. to her I, too. <laughs> I would be so I would be so remiss if I didn't mention give her, her a shout name. out. Yeah, it's Moxie Ridge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I talked to her. Um, Excellent. As well. Good. Mm. Good. I'm glad you connected with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's wonderful. She she's told me that she was looking for land for years mm -hmm. before she found the the network. And she went on this bus tour, and she made a connection, and she found her land through this bus tour. Yeah. Um, well, and the interesting thing about that story, though, and not to be like, I know this story, sorry. <laughs> no, please. Um, you may know more than I do. But I, I think that story is even more interesting because she told me she went on the bus tour, and I, she didn't, I don't think she actually, so they were like taking them around looking at land. And I don't mm -hmm. think the land that she's on was actually one of the pieces they saw on the tour, but she met all these people yes, on the on the bus tour that then connected her to all these resources. And then, you know, she had seen this piece of land that she found through the website and she wasn't quite sure about it. But then when she was able to talk to these people on the bus tour and mm -hmm. like get and so it that is I, I think the, the reason I bring it up um, is it's just those are the kinds of like really nitty gritty, like under the radar things that mm -hmm. you would never be able to like put on a website, right? <laughs> like, yeah. or even like, you yeah. know, it's like, you're not just going on the tour and like looking at the land and are you going to get it or are you not? Like there's way more that is going on. Yeah. There's, there's so much, um, to do with, 
you know, a farmer wants to farm a, a particular crop or they want to raise a particular type of livestock. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to be a little fuzzy on the details, but there was another farmer who was helped through the network who um, they were looking around for land. Again, a, a similar story for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And they, they wanted to um, have a, a pig operation. And they saw this piece of land that they thought was totally wrong for them, and it had, you know, it was, it was sloped. Mm. And um, they were working with the Columbia Land Conservancy, one of our partners in the network. And because of Columbia Land Conservancy's expertise and the expertise of some of the other resources that we have, they were able to understand that that was actually the perfect piece of land for them. Mm. And um, so they now have a, a pretty successful operation in New Lebanon, New York. Mm. Um, Climbing tree farm. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I don't expect you to, to remember I the just, name of I, every you know, farm. I, just, I really <laughs> want to support my farm friends. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> um, no, that, that, that's an, an interesting example, right? There's so many details. It's, it's not just, I need land. It's, um, is the land the right kind of land for my operation, right? Yeah, and, and not only that, but is this the right tenure for mm. my operation? And um, we work with Farm Roots at Grow NYC, and they have legal resources available to farmers who can help them, you know, think about those kinds of questions and, you know, business development resources. And so just being able to um, help fund that kind of work across New York State is, is so valuable. And, you know, in some cases, I think we will probably end up funding those specific um, events. But mm. uh, in other cases, it will be staff time to help them continue to provide these services. Right. Well, and so we're talking about this process of um, farmers finding land and connecting to, to landowners. Um but, you know, we started this conversation talking about um, the, co- the cost of land and mm-hmm. also aging farmers being paid um, for their land so that they can retire. And um, so, my, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, so we're solving this problem where these two groups of farmers are now able to find each other, um, mm-hmm. but there's still um, a cost issue potentially, right? Um, so does, does farmland for a new generation take that question into account in terms of like helping address um, some of the challenges of accessing land because of price? Yes, uh, that's such a good question. Um, Very important in this conversation. Um, So something that I often say is between 2002 and 2012, we lost in New York State, this is according to the Ag Census, we lost 30% of our young farm operators in New York. Um, And I think that this is probably attributed to a number of things, but um, certainly um, access to land, high competition, high prices, Mm. um, these are all a part of that story. Um, In fact, American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Young Farmers Coalition both in their study of this issue identify access to land as one of the main barriers for farmers in getting started. Right. Land is certainly expensive in New York, and competition is really high, um, particularly in the Hudson Valley. So this is why we we see land trusts as really key to this conversation. Um, Mm. I'll I'll tell a specific story instead of um, giving the the, the policy answer. 
Um, so we see the Farmland Protection Program, the state Farmland Protection Program, and there's also a federal Farmland Protection Program um, that got really strong funding in, in the Farm Bill proposal, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which is good news yeah. because it, it's definitely a part of this conversation. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, so off, I, I mentioned earlier that oftentimes farmland protection, protecting one's farmland can really bridge that gap mm. between what a farmer is able to pay and what the seller wants to sell their land or needs to sell their land for in mm-hmm. order to be able to retire. Um, so you mentioned that a lot of your equity is in your land, and that is true. It's, if not your um, biggest asset, one of your biggest assets. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is a, a state-run or federal-run program that, um, c- that where a farmer can um, choose to protect their land and then they get paid for the um, difference between the market value and the value of their land if they're not able to develop it. So essentially if they protect their land, it's available forever for agriculture. It, it can't be developed. They're basically promising that they're never going to sell it to a developer. Um, they are, they're, they're then unable to sell right. it to a developer. Or, yeah, I guess. Um, they put an <laughs> easement on that land, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, a really good way to describe it. And I, I said I wasn't going to give the policy answer, and, and now I've gone ahead and done it. <laughs> <laughs> made it all confusing. You can still tell the story, though. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell the story. Okay. <laughs> So um, so the, the way that it's described best, I think, is that ownership of land is like um, owning a bundle of sticks. And each one of those sticks is a right that you have to mm. do with that land. It's not like you just own the land and that's it. You have rights that you can sell, such as mineral rights or um, the right to develop your property, um, all kinds of different rights. So you can monetize a piece of your property while still retaining ownership Hmm. of the property or being able to sell it, Um, but you can monetize a piece of that, and one of those is the right to develop your property. Mm. So the state runs this program where they'll pay you for the the development rights or the cost of the right to to develop your property. And um, very often this brings down the market price of the land. Right. So my specific story (laughs) is, um, of of a, a couple of farm friends who uh, moved from Chicago, New York, uh, uh, from Chicago, Illinois, and came to, <laughs> to New, New York. York. Right. <laughs> yes, and they were looking for land for a while, um, and then they um, they they were helped by a few of our partner organizations. Uh, I believe that it was ASA, the Agricultural Stewardship Association, and Scenic Hudson was involved in this as well. Um, and they were they found uh, a farmer farmers that were looking to sell they wanted to sell to farmers, mm-hmm. but they um, wouldn 't be able to um, these farmers from chicago wouldn 't be able to pay the price that these retiring farmers wanted were looking for, for the property exactly yeah. so because a s a and Cena cuts in our land trusts and they 've been involved in these um, purchase of development rights deals. They were able to help the, the farm sellers apply for a, a grant from the state and protect their property. And then the, um, the farmers who were buying it, Zach and Annie Metzger, 
they were able to afford then that property. Mm. So this really bridged the gap. And now Zach and Annie Metzger, they have Laughing Earth Farm. They sell at the Troy Farmer's Market. It's a beautiful operation, lovely family. And um, so they, this is a great example of how the Farmland Protection Program can really help um, bridge that gap financially. Right. Yeah, did that, I explain that well? <laughs> you did absolutely. Okay, no, and, and I think it is helpful to have, um, you know, the the real world story, the example, and then yeah. to understand the policy. I, I mean, I've talked about easements um, on the show before a little bit, but it is it's it is a tricky. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a very wonky yeah. thing to explain, and um, and the the a great part of this example is that, well, first of all, now there's an easement on the property forever. Mm-hmm. And um, Zach and Annie made this choice. When they bought this property, they, they said, well, we want this to stay in farming. When we sell it, we're okay. Being mm-hmm. able to only sell it, you know, at, without its development price. And, but they, they went and put a further protection on the property. The farm sellers sold another stick hmm. that was called a, um, a preemptive purchase right. Okay. So now um, Zach and Annie Metzger have agreed that they will only sell this farm to a farmer in the huh. future. So that further So not limit, only deve- can it not be developed, but it also has to go to a farmer. That's right. Huh. So this is another option. Um, it's called, in other states, in Massachusetts and Vermont, it's called the option to purchase at agricultural value. This is another tool um, that can go along with easements. Um, the farmer, farm seller chooses, again, this is a choice, it's voluntary, mm-hmm. if they choose to put this extra um, protection on the land, um, then um, just as you said, it, it must be sold to a farmer in the future. Right. And these are the types of things that um, some Hudson Valley land trusts are experimenting with. There's a land trust on Long Island that's experimenting with these types of provisions to just further protect the land and make sure that it stays in farming. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the National Young Farmers Coalition led this, this past year an effort, a legislative effort, to, to um, along with Assemblymember Dee Dee Barrett, to pass the Working Farms Protection Act, mm-hmm. which now state funds must be um, can are now eligible to be used for that purpose as well hmm. through the farmland protection program. So I mean New York is really putting a lot of money into farmland protection between um you know that working farm protection act and then also the uh, funding farmland for a new generation. Um is do you think New York is um unique like are other do you, I mean I know New York is your focus but I'm curious if are we ahead of other states in <laughs> investing in this um in our farmland um I'm just curious especially because I would imagine you work with other people at AFT across the country yes I do um I think that different states are at different levels um of uh you know, leadership in terms of farmland protection and thinking about the next generation. We certainly think that New York has been investing um, very heavily uh, under Governor Cuomo. In fact, this past year, um, just just under $70 million was put towards farmland protection hmm. in New York State. Um, and that was just this year. In past years, there have been other 
um, really generous allocations of money to protect farmland in New York. And now with the Farmland for New Generation um, program, we really see this as a nation-leading response Mm. to this national problem of aging farmers and really high barriers for new and beginning farmers to access land and get started. Um, I won't say that that we're the best, but because uh, I don't know. <laughs> right. But in fact, I'll say that um, we uh, we we are doing um, a state policy scorecard. American Farmland Trust mm. is, and that will be coming out probably sometime next year. And this is in connection with our Farms Under Threat report. Great. Yeah. So, so that will kind of compare um, exactly. policies across states. Um, exactly. Particularly pertaining to farmland protection. Perfect. Yeah. Um, great. Well, unfortunately, um, we are out of time, but I think that's a great um, note to end on, kind of framing this conversation that we just had about New York in terms of bigger national issues. Um, thank you so much for calling in to talk about farmland. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It was lovely. Um, and can you just one more time before um, before we sign off, um, will you um, just say the website again for any farmers who are listening and want to and are you know looking for farmland or have farmland? Um, can you just uh, repeat the actual Farmland Finder website? Absolutely. Uh, so that website is nyfarmlandfinder.org. dot org, and okay. you can also, of course, call our office at 518-581-0078 for more information. And then once those regional navigator um, awards are announced, we'll also have those up on the website. So stay tuned early next year. Great. And also I'm going to um, plug my own story, um, <laughs> which I um, wrote a detailed story on um, Farmland for New Generation New York that really gets into the Hudson Valley FarmLink network and um, includes the stories of several farmers, some of whom we mentioned um, today. So if um, you want to learn more, that story has not gone up yet, um, but it will be published on Civil Eats probably this week. Um, it's just civileats.com. So keep an eye out for that. Um, All right. Thank you. And thank you all so much for listening to the Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and share it. I'll see you next week. Next year, Heritage Radio Network is turning 10. For the last decade, we've been committed to bringing listeners around the world the very best in food radio for free. Our small staff and incredible network of hosts work hard so that listeners can tune in each week to hear the important conversations in food policy, stay on the cutting edge of cocktail culture, and hear the latest updates in food tech. But there is no HRN without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and help HRN get a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. There's no better time to show your support. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate and wish HRN a happy birthday. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio.
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.